0: Well, good morning, New City. It's good to be worshiping with you this morning. I tend to, I know I've shared this before, but I tend to try and wake up early when I'm home uh, and so that I can be a little alone in my home in the mornings, hit some time to pray and reflect. And a few weeks ago, I was up early with my youngest son. He also likes to get up early in the morning and uh, we were together, just the two of us, and we often are trying to figure out what we can do, and I often am trying to get him to, to do some reading, and, and he often wants to try and get me to play with some toys with him. And um, sometimes I'll pull out my, well, I'll give him a book, and then I'll pull out my phone, and I'll read my book on my phone, or I'll read some news or watch some YouTube news videos. And sometimes I just may open up a video game and play uh, video games on my phone and my son we, we limit the amount of time he can play uh, video games on an iPad or an, a phone or anything like that and so when he knows that I'm playing video games he oftentimes wants to watch me do that and so I was playing on this video game and he asks me he says uh, are you playing a video game? and I wanted him to keep reading so I sort of stalled a little bit and while I was stalling I quickly got out of the video game and opened up a newspaper app and started reading a newspaper and so I I said something like I was getting out of the app and I was like why do you ask and he said oh well your phone is turned sideways and you always do that when you're playing a video game and and so he said are you playing a video game and I said well I'm not playing a video game right now and I recognized in that moment that I was kind of in this moral gray area because he had been asking if I had been playing a video game before and I stopped playing and then I answered that I'm not playing a video game now and he recognized that we were in this little like moral gray area and he looks at me in the eyes and he kind of pauses and he says I know you know the Ten Commandments and that was his way of calling out are you telling me the truth then I laughed because it was such a funny way for him to, to call out my deception. And technically, because I had left the game, I wasn't like outright lying, but I clearly was trying to portray myself in a certain light or as a certain way that was different from the reality. And adults, you know, this is sort of the the natural way that we do things. We're comfortable doing this. But children, by default, especially young children, they don't do this. Kids are very transparent and very consistent between what's going on inside them and what is coming out on the outside. If a preschooler is sad, she cries. She doesn't worry about projecting an image of of being invulnerable or, or being a big girl who never cries. If she's sad, she cries. And she doesn't care who sees her. If a toddler wants something, as adults, we tend to hide what we want. They're kind of those vulnerable things, and they can betray what's really going on inside of us. If a toddler wants something, he goes for it. He grabs it, and he'll pull hair to get it if somebody else is in his way. Everyone knows he wants that toy. If a six-year-old has an opinion, he's not going to be cagey about it. If you have a six-year-old at home, ask your child, who do you like more, mommy or daddy? And they will tell you directly. They don't care about your feelings. It's not that they don't care about your fe- they're just not paying attention to their feelings. So whatever is going on inside them will come out. And in all likelihood, it'll, they'll name the parent that most recently gave them a dessert. And So for that day, that may be the parent they like best. But there's no duplicity in little kids. There's integrity, there's consistency. What you see is what you get. What is going on in the inside is consistent with the way that they're acting on the outside. Whatever a kid thinks or feels or wants, usually is pretty consistently expressed in their external behavior. But adults, we are different. In the process of growing up, we have learned that if we let out what is on the inside, we tend to get hurt, we get made fun of, we get judged, we feel exploited by people because they know our, our deepest needs or desires. It's, it's just not safe to let people know a lot of what's going on on the inside. And what often happens in this process of, of learning how to grow up and keep certain things hidden, which is appropriate, we also start to to separate what's going on on the inside with what's going on on the outside, and we can become comfortable when there's dissonance there. Not just keeping certain parts private and sharing it only with the people we trust, but entirely separating the outside from the inside and, and projecting a person that is quite inconsistent and different from the person on the inside. Like a boss may say, Hey, I'd love you to work this week and got anything going on? And we may lie because we want to please our boss or get ahead at work or gain more status. We may deny our desires or dreams because we're afraid of failure. And, and so we act a certain way, like we're fine where we are, even though we're sliding or slinking into despair or depression. We may deny feelings of grief or sadness loss because somewhere sometime in our history somebody has told us that we should always be positive about everything. We don't allow ourselves to feel those things or express them. We may dismiss restlessness at work because we're afraid of the uncertainty that facing it will bring. And then there's all the ways that we pretend to be somebody that we're not by what we buy or what we say in order to look important or fit in with those around us. And in so many ways, we can hide what's really going on inside of us and, and then project something else because of some need to, be, to appear good or, or to conform or to fit in or to belong. And what Jesus is pointing out in the passage that Mary read for us is that this is this very common ascent, or uh, universal human condition can seriously corrupt our spiritual journey. Whenever Jesus teaches about spirituality, he's always talking about this dynamic. About what's going on in the inside and about what we're showing on the outside. And he's always talking about the way religion in general and the religious leaders in particular tend to emphasize this external behavior, this external conformity, and neglect the hidden interior life, the place we live with God. If you've been consistent in, in participating in our online worship services, then you know that we're in this series on the life of Jesus, and in fact, today is the last week of this series on life of Jesus, and the next week with Lent, we pivot. It's still kind of a continuation of the life of Jesus, but it's a pivot to the passion, the last week of his earthly life leading up to the cross. And I want to end this series on the life of Jesus by sort of looking at all his teaching. And I think this passage, it was one of the lecture readers for this week, is a really good summary of all of Jesus' teaching kind of gives a big a really nice, big overview and also his interactions with the other people who are doing teaching, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, at that time. So there's a good contrast there. And the story begins with a question from the Pharisees. They can't understand why Jesus and His disciples aren't following the rules uh, and the traditions, the human rules and the traditions of the elders. There's all, there are all these rules at the time, all these practices that people would engage in to keep them spiritually pure and they would do this as a community so there are practices that these people were doing together and they can't understand why Jesus who is so clearly about the things of God isn't participating and following the tradition that all these wise people had set out and, and conforming and being a part of the community of all these other religious leaders and the question is posed like this why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders, instead of eating their food with defiled hands. They don't understand why Jesus' disciples aren't doing this. Why aren't you doing what all the good people do? Why aren't you fitting fitting in? And Jesus responds this way. He quotes from Isaiah. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Just... Worship is just about their appearance. They're teaching just human rules. You've let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And then he gives this example about people making this gift and calling it korban, And that's like basically making a pledge to the temple. And then... You know, If you make that pledge, you still have the money, and then like a mom or dad gets in serious trouble, and you're not allowed to go and help them. And he's pointing out how this is totally corrupting the spirit of God's law. And so Jesus is drawing this distinction between his teaching and the teaching of the religious leaders, and he, and he gives us this very handy metaphor that he gets from this Isaiah passage. And it's a contrasting image of the lips and the heart. Honor me with lips or follow by way of the heart. And the lips here represent everything that is that external image, that projected self. It's the self that exists in the mind of others that we then use words to try and control what other people think about us. It's the the boastful man who talks a big game in front of his friends or the the woman who uses flattery to get ahead at work or the Christian person who knows how to use all the right Christianese language in order to look like they fit in, but internally or their personal life is in shambles. The lips here represent what's coming out of us and how we're crafting and trying to control what other people think of us. So, sort of maintaining this external image, this projection. And the heart, by contrast, is the center of a person's being. It's our spiritual center. It's where our motivations are birthed from. It's where our will resides. It's, it's the place you get, if you're one of those people who wakes up at 5 a.m. to go run around a lake or do a workout at Pamela Park, the will, the heart is the place where you get the energy to do something like that. It's the place if you've ever been confronted with the fact that you messed up and you don't want to face that you messed up and you know you need to say you're sorry, but you're struggling to accept that, that you could do this and your mind is spinning and you're wrestling. This is, ha- this is a battle in your spirit or in your heart whether you're going to face the truth and confess your sin and apologize. It's also the place, the heart, that gives birth to dreams and desires. The deep ones within us. And so Jesus is saying these religious leaders, everything that they do is concerned with the lips, you know, that external image, how people see us. But true spirituality, the spirituality that all of his teaching is focused on, has to do with the heart. He says, This is what you have to pay attention to the heart. And so every time Jesus teaches, he's always kind of noticing the external, but then drawing our attention to the heart. What is going on within you? And I want to give, since this is sort of an overview of Jesus' teaching, I want to give some passages. So you, don't, so you recognize this is not just an occasional thing that he does. This is everywhere in Jesus' teaching. He is constantly trying to draw our attention to your inner life. Listen to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 21-21. You have heard it said long ago, to people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court, the spiritual court within, And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fires of hell. Again, placing clear emphasis on your inner life. If you let hate, anger, and judgment fester in your soul, you're going to suffer. Internally, disquiet frustration, maybe pain in your body, lack, unable to sleep. And then he does the same thing on the other side. So he, talks, he makes the emphasis on the, the negative, sinning side, but then he makes the emphasis, the same dynamic is at play whenever we do something good. In verse chapter 6, verses 1-4, to four, be careful not to practice your righteousness or good deeds in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Basically, if you just are doing it to be seen by others, there is no spiritual benefit. It doesn't matter how good the deed is. If you're doing it for the wrong motivation, there is no spiritual reward. So when you give to the needy, for example, don't announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by them. Truly, I tell you, they've already received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Be in that hidden place so that your giving may be done in secret. Then the Father, your Father, who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Again, when we do good deeds, Jesus is trying to draw our attention to the hidden, inner life and what the dynamic is going on there, the spiritual reward we get from God, not from others. But he's also quick to note that when we do live from this place, this place of our inner world, hidden world of the heart, it will actually impact how we act in public so he's saying you know the teaching can't be focused on just externals but if you follow jesus teaching and give priority to the heart pay attention to what's going on in the heart then that will produce a certain fruit it will impact your life in the world around you and so in order to highlight this he's often brings this up when he's talking about, when he's teaching people and he's saying, when you're you're trying to figure out what spiritual leaders to follow, look at their fruit. There are some external things that you can look at to tell if they are living with God in their hidden inner life. So he says this in chapter 7 of the Sermon on the Mount, verses 15 to 23. (coughs) Watch out for false prophets, They come to you in sheep's clothing. So they got that external stuff on the outside to look good on the outside. But inwardly, they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? No, you don't. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. Again, to emphasize this, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everybody's got the external deeds. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, drive out demons, and drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Well, again, Jesus is giving priority of the spiritual life to the heart, but he's naming that when we pay attention to the heart, live our inner life, that hidden part of us with God, then we will bear fruit which will be available for others to see. And he's saying you've got to use this principle when you're figuring out which spiritual leaders you want to trust. So he's basically saying don't look at a person's list of accomplishments, don't look at a person's resume, don't look at their LinkedIn profile or the degrees they have hanging on the wall to figure out if you should follow them or not or learn from their teaching. Rather, spend time with them. Notice the fruit of their character. Pay attention to the things that are born of a heart that is intimate with our Father in heaven? Is the person gentle with you? Does this person bear the fruit of love? When you talk, does the person listen to what you're saying like they care? They have patience. Does the person strike you as hopeful? Is there a peacefulness about them when things don't work out the way they want them to? Is this person always blaming and judging others, or is there a spirit of forgiveness and grace? This is the fruit that Jesus wants us to pay attention to, that is evidence of a heart that is right with God. And what is clear about the religious leaders of this day is that while they got all the external things, they're wearing the sheep's clothes, they're doing all the washing and following all the rules, with great discipline and care, they got the outer clothing, they aren't bearing fruit. That marks a heart that is at home with the Lord. And so when he calls them out, he again is pointing to this issue of the way that you and I split off what is going on in our inner life with how we appear on the outside. Listen. Matthew 23, verses 1 to 4. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. That means they have authority and power. (coughs) So you've got to be careful to do what they say. But do not do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to help them move, to move them. Again, just speaking to how burdensome religion often feels. It's a good sign this person who's leading us in this burdensome way is not at home with God. And Then later he, he continues to just go at this, this split Verse 25 through 28. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you actors. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're full of greed and self indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones and the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Over and over, whenever Jesus is doing his teaching, he is hammering home this point. Pay attention your heart don't pay attention to your external conformity take care of your heart he is calling people back to this inner life with God this is where it all begins everything flows from there and he's naming these Pharisees just start there and then the other stuff will just naturally work its way out but if you focus only on this external conformity your inner life will die. Everything about his teaching is continually calling us back to our inner life with God. So, and this is very clear; it's everywhere. Hopefully, I've given you enough verses. I could have given you a lot more, but I stopped. Paul, same thing, and a whole bunch of verses from Paul, essentially the same thing. But here, so here's the question: I want to. Have us think about what do you need to do today or this week or going forward to tend to your heart? I don't mean this in a sentimental way. It's more like this. How goes it with your soul? Or how do you care for your inner spirit that dwells in union with the Holy Spirit? Jesus says this is the way to follow His teaching. We pay attention to what is going on in our soul. And it means that we, if we have this angry, hate-filled thought about somebody, we need to take that seriously. We need to pray about that. We have to wonder, where did that come from? It means that we are committed to not judging one another in our hearts. It means that we pay attention to our relationship with money. We can't figure out if we're greedy based on how much money we make or how much money we have. We have to pay attention to what does money mean for us? Do I find comfort in it? Is it security? Is it status? And we pay attention to what's happening in our heart around issues of money. Pay attention to our motives when we do a good deed. It means we pray in private where other people can't hear us, don't know what we're saying. To follow Jesus' teaching means that we take all these matters of the heart seriously. (coughs) Not focusing on our image, the image that we can craft with our lips, or rather prioritize paying attention to our inner life. As many of you know, uh, I've been spending more and more time in. With people in spiritual direction this is something i love to do and spiritual direction basically really is just a a discipline of of pausing on a regular basis with somebody else a spiritual director who can help pay attention who will train their focus on your heart as you talk and process and what i found as i've been doing this for a while is that this is not easy work this actually it, it takes some real intentionality it can be confusing we often need help in it I think one of the reasons religious leaders often default to rules and traditions is it's so much easier just to have this clear-cut rule. This is what the good people do. This is the way, these are the practices that good people uh, engage in, and this is the community, and this is what you have to do to fit in, and then you're good. (coughs) That's way easier. Even if those rules can be super onerous and burdensome, it's just simple. It's really nice to know what it is we have to do to be good. But to wrestle with your own heart is really, really hard work. I remember praying with someone in spiritual direction, and he was having these feelings of dread around his job every time he went to work. And we had to pray through what was going on. Was it a particular relationship with a coworker that was causing this for him? Was it that he was no longer interested in this type of work and he needed to move on? Was it that he was just tired and needed to take a vacation? And this was all stuff in the heart. And he was naming that as he was paying attention to this, what was happening because he felt this way about work, he was disconnected from his spouse. He was losing his relationship with his children. And so there were all of these things in his kind of external life, these relationships that were starting to fall apart that he knew shouldn't be falling apart. And he was tempted to sort of just will his way to put them back together. But in spiritual direction, he was taking a step back and paying attention to what was happening in his heart. And he was trying to deal with that first with the Lord, knowing that if he could deal with that, then a lot of that other stuff would just work its way out. So for you today, I want to invite you to pay attention to what is happening in your heart. This is Jesus teaching to us to take this seriously how goes it with your soul today are you tired or sad or angry can you honor that can you care for your heart can you slow down to give your soul a breather do you want something that you haven't been able to name because of shame or limitation Maybe you won't get it, but can you be honest and name it and pray about it? Is there suffering or persecution that you need to be able to pay attention to? Care for your own soul around? Is there something you're afraid of? Are you lacking motivation or willpower? These are issues of the heart. And they're the things that Jesus' teaching It's calling us to pay attention to you. This is the the core and the essence of our life with God. Pay attention to your heart. So how can you bring whatever is happening in your heart before the Lord today? Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Father, we look to you Ask that you would make our hearts sensitive to you, open our eyes to see you and hear your voice, and be able to respond as we pay attention to what you're doing in our hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.